Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,112 of The Bugle, the world's foremost audio chronicle of all human knowledge and wisdom. I am Bitsy Squiggles. Sorry, sorry, it's not, <laughs> it's not my grime podcast today, is it? I'm, I'm Andy Zaltzman, and Lemon Souffle holds no fears for me, or indeed most other people. I'm in London, and this is my day off from cricket duty. Uh, since I last bugled at you uh, last week, I've been to six World Cup cricket matches in six days, three of which actually happened. Uh, there were two rained off and one basically rained off other than half an hour of cricket. Um, now, obviously, sport is supposed to be a metaphor for real life, so watching nothing happen for ages and then leaving in disappointment is not entirely inappropriate, especially in cricket, a sport where watching nothing happen for ages is part of the joy of it. The difference being when you're watching nothing happening for ages with players actually on the pitch, it's the potential that something might happen that makes the nothing happening so enjoyable. Anyway, we are here in, uh, just filling it in for non-cricket aficionados. Uh, we are here... I thought you were describing Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> There's many similarities. We're here in London. Uh, it's the 13th of June, 2019. And joining me to fill in my, uh, the gaps in my knowledge of what's going on in the real world, uh, a huge welcome back to Tiffany Stevenson. Hello. Hello. Hi, Tiff. Have you been enjoying the Cricket World Cup? Oh, I've been loving it. Right, good. No, I mean, I, do, I lost... I, I'm mainly interested in Shane Warne. He doesn't play anymore. He doesn't, no. I'm fascinated by his face, which I feel has had more updates than my iTunes agreement. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time I see him, he looks different. Um, so, yeah, I'm fascinated... Actually, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, hair loss and cricketing. Right. Because it seems the more runs a cricketer has scored is sort of inversely proportionate to amount of hair follicles. That is a very interesting... Because I've been working with uh, some fairly prominent ex-international cricketers, not all of whom have retained the hair that nature gave them, I think it's fair to say. And, yeah, I mean, that's, maybe it's something about undergoing stressful situations whilst wearing a helmet. Could that, be, that yeah. leads to hair loss. It just comes out. Yeah. Hence, advanced hair studio, though. Yeah. That's yeah, why yeah. there's quite a few cricketers involved in the old... Advanced hair studios. Yeah. Can women get that as well? Like hair transplants cricket, or is it just... Cricket aggravated baldness. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just want it to be equal, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> yeah when we have female sportsmen advertising hair replacement therapies, we'll know we've, we've reached equality in the world yeah. of sport. Also joining us, uh, representing 30% of the world's surface area, it's the Bugle's specific correspondent, James Nakisa. Welcome back, well, I just realised I referenced the Australian advanced hair adverts which always involved an Australian cricketer going advanced hair yeah yeah uh, to British people so it actually right. sounds like I was re- weirdly affirming yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do miss cricketers like Shane Warne because like, I feel like we've replaced you know how cricket was always about the characters like the smoke a cigarette I feel like we've replaced the cricket characters with political characters now because all of those car crash human beings seem to be in Parliament now <laughs> instead of the cricket pitch. And maybe that's what's gone wrong. Right. And cricket is full of upstanding members of society we, we turn to for guidance and, and illumination. Um, I mean, you're talking to a New Zealander, so you place cricket <laughs> with rugby and that is exactly how our society functions. <laughs> uh, we are recording on the 13th of June on this date in the year 313. The Edict of Milan was signed by Constantine the Great and Valerius Licinius, which granted religious freedom throughout the Roman Empire. Um, that's uh, How's that going generally around the world? We've had, what, 1,706 years. Still haven't quite nailed it. Um, and in uh, 1381, just down the road from here in London, uh, the Peasants' Revolt uh, burned down the Savoy Palace. 
just yeah. on the about a mile away from here. Um, and that brought in uh, a much more equal society and uh, reduced the gap between the rich and the poor uh, for the following 738 years. I've been uh, just peace and equality ever since. As always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, uh, plant death. Uh, after a new scientist report found that humans have driven over 500 plant species to extinction in the past 250 years. That, see, I read this. That doesn't sound like many. I mean, how many plant species are there in the world? Fucking millions, I reckon. 500? We can lose 500. Surely. Yeah. Anyway. And can they be succulents, just because I don't like that word? Well, exactly. I mean, this is my, my theory. We are going to now look at the species in this section of the bin that we might want to target next. <laughs> so, uh, votes for the plant you would like to see removed from this planet from the following bugle shortlist. Japanese knotweed, the fragile housing market, is underpinning our economy. That's not our fault, that is simply the will of God. And Japanese knotweed can really stifle house sales and uh, push up prices for houses that don't have Japanese knotweed. Our entire livelihoods thus remain vulnerable to the housing market, to someone somewhere saying, it's never really worth that, is it? And the whole system coming collapsing down around our ears. That is all the fault of Japanese knotweed. That should be next. The dandelion... What is the fucking point of all that fluffy stuff? Seriously, if I wandered around displaying my seeds quite so brazenly, I'd be put in fucking jail. Pear trees, well, in particular, one specific pear tree, I'd like the one in our next door garden. The pears keep falling on my roof and my shed in the autumn and diminish my annual economic productivity, but up to a thousand of a percent. I can't afford that. Uh, you can vote for that. Or you can vote for the Venus dog trap, the little known relative of the Venus fly trap. That can pouch a Labrador and turn it into a cactus in under a minute. Or the chicken. Not generally regarded as a plant, <laughs> but if you can put it in a salad, it's a plant. So which of these <laughs> which of these do you want dead forever? Do vote uh, on whatever website you can find the vote on. Uh, that section in the bin. Top story this week. Democracy in action. Very exciting news here in Britain. The putrefying parody of democracy that we hold so dear in Britain that we fight wars for, that we, we drill ourselves into a, into a, a black hole of economic future for. Uh, we are putting a crank into cranking into action because the nation is preparing to have a brand new prime minister inflicted upon it. Uh, it's very exciting as a democracy fan. Those of us who are not fully paid up members of the Conservative Party, and I assume that involves everyone here. <laughs> yeah. If you'd never struck me as a you know, hardcore Tory a small, What if activist. I was a small C? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, those of us who are not members of the Conservative Party, we just get to sit back and enjoy the hassle-free delight of having our Prime Minister chosen for us by the Conservatives with, with nothing to do but just enjoy the warm glow of taking back control from the European Union. Hashtag will of the people. Um, <laughs> there is a unique delight in a Tory leadership race as the candidates jockey for position to appear the, the most and or least humane candidate, <laughs> depending on which polypus front of the Conservative Party they're trying to appeal to and or disgust before the whole thing turns into a human centipede of backstabbing as the <laughs> candidates strive to prove to their Tory MP colleagues and party membership that they are the one with the clearest plan to sell future generations of British people down the river. Um, it's, uh, I guess we just got to enjoy it, you know, it's like the Grand National, isn't it? Pick a name out of a hat like a horse at the Grand National. The difference being... 
You would actually probably prefer a horse as Prime Minister than any of the candidates <laughs> that are currently on the slate for the Tories. And horses are less likely to bang on about how it is now time to focus on what really matters to the British people after spending an entire political generation doing it, doing everything possible to do the exact opposite. And also when a horse falls really badly in a race, people don't suddenly start saying, well, that proves it's a good candidate to run a much more difficult race, which basically seems to happen with uh, with politicians. So, um, well, well, Tiff, what a... Where are we? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's more like a gladiators because they have rounds, don't they? And the yeah. least popular ones go. So it's kind of like a knockout. What I'm enjoying is uh, less the leadership race and more the race to uh, tell everyone they've done drugs. <laughs> That's been real fun. I've never wanted to do drugs less. I mean, we can go through them all, but I just, I need to say, it's been said before by me, I need to say it again, we can't have a Prime Minister BJ. That cannot happen. <laughs> Democracy is always in, is, is already in a shocking state, so we can't, also he's more irritating than the wrong size tampon. That's how I like to describe <laughs> I mean, Boris I, Johnson. I was thinking exactly the same. <laughs> it is quite delightful and British, I think, that you guys are still shocked by rich white guys confessing the cocaine. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> Just so, like, I, I too have taken cocaine. Like, no, really? You worked in the financial district during the 90s? I'm amazed. <laughs> well, there's Gove, and then there's the idea of Gove on cocaine, which is absolutely oh. terrifying. Um, I mean, he's been accused of hypocrisy, having admitted taking cocaine, and, and, and yet, you know, with the, the government's various... But I mean, hypocrisy could play really well with core Tory support. I mean, it's it's really appealing to the Tory heartland. I guess it's sort the, the right type of hypocrisy, isn't it? <laughs> it just makes them stronger, right? <laughs> they absorb hypocrisy. Um, Boris Johnson, the current front-runner and um, former Foreign Secretary, renowned for his many successes around the world, including abandoning a British citizen in an Iranian jail. He was described by one of his rivals, Sajid Javid, as yesterday's man, which, again, is his greatest selling point to the core Tory <laughs> membership. He's pledged to unite the country and lead Britain out of the disillusion and despair of Brexit. Um, which, uh, I mean, it's impressive that he managed to say that without just crumbling into a soup of irony. Um, but he has as much chance of uniting the country as Colonel Sanders has of bringing that bucket of chicken back to life as a pterodactyl. <laughs> because, one, he wanted the chicken dead in the first place. Two, he has no real incentive to make it alive again. And three, no one can turn a dead chicken into a live pterodactyl. And as I keep saying, no one can possibly unite the country. Not since the Luftwaffe disbanded. <laughs> but if you're the guy who led people into the hole, then when everyone's standing in the hole in the dark, you're probably the guy who can legitimately go, actually, guys, I know the way out. Because <laughs> I'm the guy who got us here. Just jump on this bus. Yeah. yeah, but he's not really advocating that. He's advocating digging further into the hole. Yeah, I but think. they don't know that because oh, okay. they were dumb enough to go into the hole with him in the first place. <laughs> like, he's clearly lying about everything. I mean, if not Boris, who? Uh, well, uh, Jer Jeremy Hunt. I have to sort of control my rage with this stuff. But Jeremy Hunt did an interview where he talked about running for a uh, Tory party leader and prime minister and then sort of said, also, by the way, um, like, this is just a personal opinion. I obviously couldn't do anything about it, but I'd lower the abortion limit to 12 weeks. I'm like, really? Because I would extend it to however old Jeremy Hunt is. <laughs> Can we do that? Is it possible to do that? I hate that because he knows it's it's not a position that's that he can put forward if he was prime minister. But all he's trying to do there is kind of shore up some right wing, like conservative Christian support, I assume. But like, why are you offering it up as an opinion? It's got nothing to do with the leadership race. It just frustrates me. I mean, I mean, it's not Mog. It's normally Mog doing this. I mean, Jeremy Hunt, who is 
whose name fits the rhyming scheme, let's all be honest. Um, and he's now just, there are just people calling him a cunt on TV now. Yes. Like, um, was it Victoria Derbyshire or yeah, someone? Yes, I mean, it has happened periodically through his career. And you do get the feeling that at times the presenters are y- using the convenience of uh, it was just a slip of the tongue when <laughs> it w- evidently wasn't. Um, I mean, he has a, you know, viewed by many in the health services uh, having been absolutely catastrophic as health secretary, which uh, I guess makes him ideally qualified for the task of pile driving Britain into <laughs> a disused quarry of Brexit. Uh, other candidates, uh, Rory Stewart, he appears to be falling off the radar in today's uh, preliminary vote. Um, and appears to have some kind of moral compass, which has proved a fatal Achilles heel for his campaign. Fallopiana <laughs> um, Scrivens-Glarch, um, she's still in the running. Um, she's the former Minister for Plebeian Affairs and Social Immobility. She ran a cake stall at a local church fair in 1994, so actually has more hands-on personal experience of dealing with the real world than many of her rivals. Wait, is that a real, you're talking about a real person? Uh, not always. I, can't, um, I, thought, I generally was like, yeah, I mean, it is hard to tell, isn't I, it? I can't tell in British politics because that definitely sounds like either a politician or a Bond villain. I mean, it's it, it is. They are two sides of the same coin <laughs> in the modern era. Scrivens Glarch is, of course, renowned for her impregnably impersonal persona when dealing with anyone who doesn't own a multi-million pound business or an inherited title, and uh, made a famous blooper when Minister for National Decline when she mistakenly claimed that Nuremberg was a town in Yorkshire where they held the trials and executions of the union leaders in the aftermath of the 1980s miners' strike, for which she was (laughs) rewarded with promotion to be Secretary of State for Economic Injustice. Uh, She has pledged to dig up the corpse of Margaret Thatcher and build a pyramid for it in commuter belt Surrey built by the forced labour of schoolchildren. So... She's really positioning herself uh, to this kind of centre-right of the Tory party, I think. I, I thought Theresa May already had dug up Margaret Thatcher's corpse uh, for an altar. But, hey, that's a, that's a good thought. What about Theresa May? Just a surprise second go. Well, I mean, she has clung on remarkably long. I mean, her resignation seems to have taken about 18 months before yeah. she's finally defenestrated well, the, the herself. the negotiations have been going on for three years now. Like, and yeah. I... I once flirted with a guy in in the office for three years who turned out to be gay, and I feel like that was less of a waste of time right. than this three years has yeah. been. She has clung on, she's um, but she's gone now, and I'm happy because, as we've discussed on this very podcast before, she was ruining leopard print for everyone. <laughs> so finally, it's back. I'm wearing a leopard print skirt today. I feel like it's back, and I've reclaimed it from Teresa. It's uh, it, it is a difficult. I mean, I've never been happier to have so much cricket too. And, and of the cricket games, I mean, I've just spent three days of the last week watching rainfall. There had been two matches in the history of the Cricket World Cup, dating back to 1975, that had been totally washed out by rain before this tournament. 11 World Cups, over 400 games. I've had two in a week, both in Bristol. Um, but I've, it, even that was better than sitting at home watching the news. And there was a poll uh, from YouGov that found that 35% of Britons now actively avoid the news due to frustration over, quotes, the intractable and polarising nature of the Brexit debate. So we are now, as a nation, I'm, I can't believe it's that low. Surely it must be up in... Well, it must says, be a misprint, it's, isn't it? 85%. It says a great number of Britons claim they're actively avoiding the news, but then they found that uh, news websites have reported record numbers of visitors wanting to read about major developments. So that discrepancy suggests that while many people publicly insist they're avoiding news, uh, some may be unable to stop themselves, secretly gorging (laughs) 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 on updates about Britain leaving the EU, like gorging on on Brexit like it's ice cream after a breakup. 
Right. Just going to binge an entire season of Brexit, guys. <laughs> Brexit and chill. Uh, it's really the straight male butt play of uh, politics, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not into that. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, yeah, so it seems that even if people are saying that they've disengaged from it, that they secretly just slide right back into it. Right. Like any bad habit, you're yeah. trying to give up. I think this is an addiction that could drag on for the next 300 years in Britain. Pacific news. Uh, in Hong Kong, um, there has been uh, protests slash riots, depending on what side of the <laughs> government you're choosing yeah. to be on. Yes, which side of the water cannon. <laughs> yeah. uh, rubber bullets. Yeah. Rubber bullets, which not as easy to dodge in slow motion as Chinese cinema would suggest. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, the, the protests are about a new bill uh, which would allow people to be extradited to mainland China. Uh, which has provoked concerns that the new laws could lead to Beijing targeting their political opponents in Hong Kong and then human rights abuses in uh, China's uh, not always transparent legal system. However, these fears, I would say, are only based on precedent and uh, overwhelming probability. There's no use crying over milk that may one day be spilt, even if you are currently drowning in a reservoir of milk. (laughs) (laughs) It's the sort of creeping totalitarianism from China, isn't it? People are saying, you don't need to protest it. It's the same as with uh, the Women's March. I remember Piers Morgan, where people going before, like kind of, you don't need to protest. What are you protesting? Protest once once they've done something wrong. And it's too late to protest when your rights have been taken away. (laughs) That's sort of the whole point. The Women's March, they're marching against Donald Trump and now Roe versus Wade is being rolled back. Like, that's what these people are doing. They know the potential... Yeah, uh, but where were you marching when Pandora opened her box? Back in the mythological porn? day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's interesting because the Chinese foreign ministry has described reports that security forces uh, from the mainland could be sent to Hong Kong to, to quell the riots slash protests right, as, as fake news. <laughs> right. So they're using the President of the United States' own term uh, towards Western journalists to quiet them on reporting on what's going on there. Like, it's, a, it's a certain level of like insanity in the dictatorship. Like, poor old Hong Kong. They, they thought they were getting freedom when they got free of the British <laughs> tyrannical <laughs> empire. Just like a game of frisbee between one sort of, yeah, tyrannical leader to another. They just want to make action films and, like, be a, a drug port. That's all they want to do. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Also in the Pacific News, uh, again, speaking of Donald Trump, a nine-year-old Cook Island girl uh, was detained by the United States and held uh, in camps uh, because of uh, suspicious material uh, that was found on her uh, legal guardian's cell phone. Now, you're probably going to say, James, how are those two things linked? To which I say, I have no idea. (laughs) And neither does the United States government. But that didn't stop them uh, detaining her for 17 days. I mean, people have made a big fuss about this but that is less than half a percent of the girl's life it's not that long is it really to detain a child for no apparent reason why are they detaining her like that's the thing if like if he's got objectionable stuff why isn't he getting detained and she gets sent back to the cook islands what like was it a manifesto that she'd written (laughs) like i think it might have just been a photograph of hillary clinton (laughs) so he was uh, a friend of the family and uh would 
had taken the girl's siblings to America for sort of holidays before. And the, yeah, so this, but it ended up with a nine-year-old girl whose parents appeared not to know where she was after she'd been detained in America. So um, I guess, you know, it's a good thing for show and tell at school, isn't it? Um, If you're nine, is it such a horrible experience? I guess, because if you're nine years old and and you're from the Cooks, uh, as, as we call them in the Pacific, and then you're in America and you go to a camp... Um, yes. with, with stuff you haven't seen before, like armed police, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess there's camps and there's camps, aren't there? In, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. an American America. summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Maybe she thinks that's what she was at. <laughs> Maybe she, she's nine what? years old. She comes back and goes, oh, I went to an American summer camp. What are, what are the Cook Islands like? This is the most accurate description I can give you of the Cook Islands. I was flying over from New Zealand last week, and I found myself talking to a, a Cook Island um, coffee maker who was making me a, a lum macchiato as we drink over there. And uh, I, I was telling her a story about how when I was young and we'd go to Samoa, my dad uh, would make us buy KFC um, the night beforehand and wrap it in tinfoil to smuggle in our luggage to the village in Samoa. And I thought she'd laugh like you guys are giggling, and she straight-faced went, oh, that's does he do it the night before? My dad makes me buy it on the day of the flight. <laughs> and then I've got to, like, wrap it up. And I was like, you do that. And she's like, bro, everyone does that. And then she went, at least you Samoans have a McDonald's in Samoa. All in the Cook Islands we've got is just some random guy that sells pizza. <laughs> so that's the level of capitalism you're in. Right. And then you go to the United States to Disneyland, except when you grow up, you realize it wasn't Disneyland. It was an interim camp. Rugby news now. Uh, the Christchurch rugby team, uh, James, has decided to retain its name, the Crusaders, um, rather than going for a, a, an alternative name more appropriate for modern rugby, such as the uh, Christchurch Cranial Traumas. Um, but they've, they've stuck with, uh, with the... Um, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it, the, the branding of sports franchises that's over recent years become increasingly controversial. We have the, you know, the, uh, the Redskins in... America, uh, the Washington Redskins, also the Streatham Redskins ice hockey team, who rebranded as the Streatham Redhawks uh, before the American sports franchises felt the name, the need to do the same. Um, so uh, talk us through the Crusaders. Well, the subtle difference story. there is that the Redskins comes from, like, was it the 1940s or 1930s of America? Yeah. The Crusaders comes from all oh, the late 90s of New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the, Part of the problem is that the uh, the Crusaders team, it was found after the um, uh, terrorist attack where uh, 51 people were killed in Christchurch, uh, who were predominantly of the Islamic faith, that having the local sports team called the Crusaders was in bad taste, uh, partly because Kiwis at that point hadn't really thought about what the Crusades were and what went on there. Um, so two things. One, it's incredibly Kiwi that this is the big political story to come out of the Christchurch shootings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and two, they, def- they they researched. They called up people. They said, what do you think? And they came back and went, no, we're going to keep it as crusaders, but we're going to get rid of the sword and the shield because that's less offensive. Right. That, they, I've seen right. them on the pitch. They have them like, it's like inches away from a pre-match jousting. Yes. Yes. They've got them all in. like, and, the, and then they interviewed, I don't know if this is like the manager of the team, but I read a quote. The reality is Adidas have got to make jerseys. There's merchandising and that sort of stuff. 
Impey told Radio Sport on Saturday morning. I love the fact that an official statement came from someone called Impey, and we're going to get updates from the rest of the Seven Dwarves imminently, <laughs> I presume. Well, Is that's that how, the yeah, that's how you know it's a Kiwi, uh, yeah. it's because it's called Impey. If it was Australian, Impo. Uh, oh, right, okay. <laughs> but, so, so, the brand, the, 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 so they might keep the name, but so change, because I mean, Crusade can mean a number of different things, can't it? Can, can, can it? Have there well, been good crusades well, out but, there? But it's become known now a term for a broader political campaign for change. The problem is the symbolism that goes with it is basically knights on horseback galloping off to kill Muslims. So, I mean, that is where the issue is. So maybe they could just, you know, keep the name Crusaders, but use environmental crusaders as their branding. Just have a, a giant, a person in a giant hippie costume tying themselves to a tree before every match to get their crowd whipped up. Or a picture of, like, Harrison Ford and uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. From the last crusade. See, now that'd be good. I think Kiwis <laughs> could come in on that. But the problem is that people went, oh, we can't change it, the name because it wouldn't make sense. I'm from Wellington and our sports team is the Hurricanes <laughs> and we are a Southern Hemisphere team. <laughs> <laughs> my, my knowledge of the, the crusades, which you know, happened eight, 800 years ago, um, give or take, uh, not a huge contingent from New Zealand, as I recall. Uh, no, it would have been the Maori contingent, yep. um, who of course made a name for themselves in, in World War One and Two, but uh, weren't quite involved in um, colonial matters. Right. Uh, the late 1100s. Late 1100s, right. nor in Christian matters. Yeah. Uh, really, they didn't have much uh, skin in the game between the uh, Christian Islamic wars. And also, we should remember, not all medieval crusaders were knights on horseback. There were there were also ordinary foot soldiers dying of dysentery but again that's harder to get a decent sports logo out of a desperate mercenary shitting themselves to death <laughs> I mean, never know until you try be a hell of a half time show <laughs> uh, Ukraine versus Vanuatu news which is a section we've not done previously on the bugle James uh, there's uh, some, some uh, spat between Ukraine and Vanuatu this is this comes in under it's true but we don't it's kind of taken everyone by surprise uh, Ukraine politicians have been accused of holding dual citizenship which is illegal in the UK and the country they've been accused of holding citizenship, uh, citizenship with is Vanuatu uh, partly because Vanuatu sells their passports <laughs> um, and partly I, I mean and there's no other reason why uh, they would have citizenship with Vanuatu like it can't be for spying because Vanuatuans would be the worst spies to have in the Ukraine. They would somewhat stand out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really kicked off in the Ukraine. I'm not even sure from my research that Vanuatu is aware of the issue. Right. Um, but there has been a strange link between um, the Pacific and Northern Europe in the past when it comes to passports. I believe Russia and Fiji have a, um, an actual relationship where people with passports from one country can go into the other. Really? It seems to benefit Northern Europe, I think, more than the Pacific. I want one. I want another passport with all the Brexit stuff a, going. A Russo-Fijian passport? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, why not? I like the look of it. I didn't even know about it until this story came up. So apparently it's only a 29-hour flight. So I'm quite keen. It's good for scuba diving. And it has the highest density of languages per capita in the world. It does. That's pretty impressive. Isn't Prince Philip a god in Vanuatu? I'm sure we covered this before on the Bugle. I mean, I believe he is. Oh, that's off-putting. Yeah. That's straight up off-putting. But then there's also religions in the Pacific of planes. Right. Just planes themselves. So, I mean, it can't all be Jesus. No. Uh, although mainly it is. Yeah. 
Hashtag colonialism. <laughs> it also says there's no serious, seriously poisonous snakes, spiders or insects on the island, unlike the UK, which is sort of crawling with Farages, Morgans and Hopkins. <laughs> so I'd be very excited to go. There is actually a website that ranks uh, passports. It's Global Passport Power oh. Rank. I, and I went on this website and Vanuatu is ranked 70th. The Ukraine is ranked 134. What, for most stylish passports? I believe so. Well, I don't know what... What the hell is the Ukrainian <laughs> passport? It's just a piece of toilet paper. It's like it could be. I, I can tell you that the number one is the United Arab Emirates passport. Really? Yeah, that's number two is Finland. Right. Uh, she wouldn't necessarily link those two countries uh, together. Right. Uh, the UK comes in at uh, 33 uh, equal. Right. And New Zealand's 34. Well, that's interesting. So, mm. um, but because of, well, they've changed our passport, isn't they? They've taken the words European Union off. The passport. No, they're just going to replace it with a little white, wipe clean bit of whiteboard, so you can just write whatever you want on it. <laughs> like sorry, or for <laughs> sake. Uh, now, James, mm. your family heritage is. Uh, Samoan, or as you wrongly, how is it you wrongly wrongly say? Uh, we say uh, Samoan, so, but yes, English Samoan. is a second language English, to us. So, Samoan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's been some censorship going on of uh, the Elton John movie Rocket Man. There has, there has. The movie Rocket Man has been censored in the one cinema uh, in Samoa. <laughs> Um, not to mention the pirated DVD copies uh, being watched in many villages. Um, it follows in the footsteps of other films that have been banned uh, in Samoa uh, because of homosexuality, uh, male homosexuality in particular. Milk, the Sean Penn uh, biopic on the US politician, was banned. Um, however, controversially at the same time, the British film uh, Lesbian Vampire Hunters uh, was let through. <laughs> That's yeah, feminine. Were... That is feminism gone mad, Tiff, isn't it? <laughs> it's feminism gone mad. They were killing vampires. It's important to right. note that. You it's know. true. They were lesbians, but they were also fully functioning members of society. <laughs> so this is basically being for un, being unchristian, insufficiently Christian. Yes, as a film. But in a particular type of Christianity, because the right. Da Vinci Code was also banned in Samoa right, okay. because it spoke badly about Christians. Okay, so uh, it's not just. Gay, because because Terminator wasn't banned, was it? No, I, mean, I see the Terminator as, as not particularly Christian in the way he goes about his business. Well, I, I don't, I don't see him really living out the lessons of Jesus Christ. He does keep coming back, though. <laughs> I, I guess there is that. Is it three days that. later? Though? <laughs> uh, Silence of the Lambs. I would say Hannibal Lecter is a, a bad Christian, but then that said. I guess it depends on your view of transubstantiation and the whole cannibal <laughs> schmannable stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because in Samoa, they, they sort of recognise a third gender within the culture, right? Yes. They, uh, is the, it fafain? Oh, fa, fafafine. Fafafine. Okay. Yeah, and, and that association had actually been um, uh, protesting against a ban on Rocket Man uh, because, of course, diversity, and they think a lot of young people will see uh, Elton John uh, being a top or a bottom. I haven't watched a film yet. Uh, and this will open up people, pardon the pun, uh, to embracing uh, their own uh, sexual identity because there's a lot of mental health issues due to, of course, um, repressing. Yeah. <laughs> like Stuffing most Christian countries. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's a lot. It's bizarre at the moment because it does feel like in this kind of time of like, well, it's Pride Month, isn't it? That there is like almost like this kind of kickback against the LGBTQI sort of movement generally. There's been there's been talk of of, of straight pride. Someone tweeted the other day like, gays 
Uh, here's some news for you guys. Gays in Britain exist without persecution. They rightly have the same rights as straight. Unless you're holding your parade in Saudi Arabia or the equivalent, then what you celebrate in, uh, you're just celebrating being gay, which is just basic what about her, isn't it? It's just persecution still happens daily. Just because it's not state authorised doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So case in point, two women on a London bus just like in, in the week just gone by. So like it feels like a time when when pride is needed more than ever and you've got someone coming out saying, you know, groups in, in America saying they want their straight pride and let the dickheads have their straight pride because everyone knows it'll be shit. Who's going to do your <laughs> costumes? Take any of the like kind of gay music off the list by, you know, Bowie, Prince, Janelle Monet, George Michael, Janis Joplin, Queen. It's, it's embarrassing. But like what kind of absolute parade of fleece and crock wearing that will be <laughs> I mean that would be if it was here if you know maybe yes. they maybe they have a lynx float or something I don't know like why 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 well because they're just trying to get some belated overdue recognition for heterosexuality in the mainstream media <laughs> and the acceptance of opposite sex relationships in society religion and law what's, yeah. what's wrong with being persecuted for so long yeah yeah it's never celebrated is it oh. it's uh it's, uh, they took uh, Brad Pitt down as the face of it in America. <laughs> also, they called themselves the Super Happy Fun America group. But gotta be honest, sounds pretty gay. <laughs> like, yeah. as names go for your group. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like, but Brad Pitt just went, take my face off of this. But it's some kind of like like alt right group in America, and that's kind of why it's sort of worrying. Because I was sort of joking about it on Twitter, going, let them have it, and then people were going, no, actually, don't. And I think Milo, Yiannopoulos. Um, has is, is apparently Straight Pride's new mascot or has proclaimed himself to be. So Straight Pride would actually have a gay mascot. It just keeps getting better. Um, you know, I, I imagine they'd be handing out bumper stickers that say honk if you like big teas. I, I don't know any straight women that are going on this march. Do they all just want to have sex with Brad Pitt? Is that, think, it just sounds like a group of guys who have not dealt with their deep love of Brad Pitt. Yeah, so far back in the closet, they're sucking cock. Uh, just quickly, um, before we uh, leave this week's Bugle, um, there's some very exciting news that apparently there could be an entire mirror universe. Um, Tiff, I believe you've had this uh, explained to you by one of the leading uh, mirror universe scientists in the world. Uh, mirror universe specialist, Scottish boyfriend, explains a hang. Scientists claim to be on the brink of discovering a mirror universe. As far as I can tell, that's a place the same as this, but your dad's got a wee goatee and your ma calls you a c- Unless you're from Cumbernauld, then she tells you she's proud of you. Scientists are experimenting by firing neutrons at a wall, and if any are detected on the other side, it means they're mirror neutrons or some pish. They're too late anyway. My pal Horny Dave discovered a mirror universe in 2004 after a bottle of half a bucky and a bag of mandy. He told us he was looking into a window upon the tune. I think it was Burger King or something. Then he says, everybody inside looked like they were having a great time. Then the windy went all wobbly, so he poked his head through it. But then on the other side, in the mirror universe, everything was red like it was on fire and everyone was running about screaming, so he f***ing pegged it. (laughs) Sounds like a pure nightmare, by the way. Well, I think we're all illuminated by that. (laughs) I feel like the mirror universe is where you have a pride parade with a gay mascot. (laughs) 
well, we have to, uh, well, to be honest, get out of the studio before the next people come in. Um, so that is the end of this week's Bugle. Next week, we have a live Bugle coming to you from the Underbelly in London. That show is on Saturday afternoon, the 22nd of June. It'll fe- feature me, uh, Nish and Alice Fraser. Uh, so do come along. I believe there are still tickets available on the internet or just by asking around. Uh, just turn up and um, blag your way in or pay. Um, actually preferably the latter Um, don't forget you can join our voluntary subscription scheme at thebuglepodcast.com click the donate button Uh, James, Tiff, thanks very much uh, for uh, for joining us and uh, we'll see you again soon have a good week everyone, bye bye Due to studio constraints, we did not have time to record the lies about subscribers bit of the show this week during the regular recording. However, I am now recording it very late at night in a hotel room in Southampton. So, producer Rich, standing in once again for Chris, if you could put a sweet little late-night vibe on this, let's lie through the night. Stephen Azar has calculated that, when you were at the seaside, Every 124th wave contains a bit of a ripple caused by the Titanic sinking in 1912, although you only notice it if you are naked and pretending to be a ship. Suzanne Stevenson knows from bitter experience that shooting fish in a barrel is actually harder than it looks, largely because most barrels do not actually contain fish, but you can only discover this after strafing it with bullets and then dealing with a very angry landlord in a pub. Anonymous donor initials AW is only a couple more experiments away from developing the world's first fully vegan version of the ancient sport of cockfighting. All he needs is for his new crop of naturally pugilistic marrows to grow to fruition. Alan G. Rosenkurter often ponders the etiquette of wearing your own crown when meeting the Queen. He acknowledges it might be awkward, but equally it might spark a conversation with Her Majesty. Where do you get yours? How do you keep it so shiny, etc.? Meanwhile, Gabriel Rosenkurter, who one assumes is related to the aforementioned Alan Rosenkurter, does not think that Olympic athletes should receive medals until after they've answered five quiz questions correctly to prove that they are balanced individuals worthy of the watching public's adulation. Anonymous donor JJ thinks football fans need to calm down about refereeing decisions and believes this can be facilitated by showing old newsreel footage of the First World War on the big screens in stadiums whenever a controversial penalty decision is made, just to help everyone keep things in perspective. Varun Walia was so inspired by a trip to a sushi restaurant that he now advocates a global system of conveyor belts to replace all roads and airplane routes. Trains can stay, they're basically the same, but without the fish. John Bingham is convinced that Meriwether Lewis and William Clark made up pretty much everything about their supposed early 19th century expedition to explore the western parts of what is now considered the USA. They probably didn't get much beyond St. Louis, thinks John, before they got bored and scared and just guessed what they'd find, with surprisingly accurate results. Libby Witt found a strange inner peace, surprisingly, one afternoon, thinking about whether you could teach a dolphin to play chess if you removed all other distractions and kept it well fed with herring. And finally, Tom Slatter does not believe that chicken's eggs are genuine. They just seem a little too convenient. And caviar, well, that is obviously a hoax too. Here endeth the lies. 
If you wish to join the phalanx of people who have been lied about on the Bugle, or just wish to be a contributor in any other way, please go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Thank you. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.